This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coughlin and Mark Carlino as we get you guys ready for a big week of football and a lot of sports going on, all the 50 sports that are going on right now in the state of Illinois um, when it comes to high school sports. Just a quick reminder before we get you guys settled up for this uh, week's episode that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Android, whatever have you. Make sure you give us a nice little review as well. Uh, we get more listeners and more uh, people. So um, the more recommendations and more uh, subscriptions and ratings we can get, uh, the more people we can uh, spread our great sports uh, insight to. We're going to do our usual four-quarter format for this week. In the first quarter, we are going to uh, recap another week of football and some uh, sports going on. We got the last week of boys soccer and girls volleyball happening here. Um, in the second quarter, we are going to hear from uh, Nutrier lineman Luca Voyevsky. In the third quarter, we are going to play way or no way. And in the fourth quarter, we are going to do our football previews for a big week of football uh, for both Loyola and Nutrier. So why don't we get things started and uh, start off with uh, Nutrier, who uh, took care of business against GBM, maybe a little bit closer um, than Nutrier wanted it, but it was a tough grinded out win, 15-6 uh, to six against uh, at Glenbrook North on Friday uh, night. Marty, I know you were there for the action. I know you saw um, some impressive dance moves, some controversy as well <laughs> when it came to dancing around. Um, but uh, we talked about this being a, maybe a trap game heading into the main South game this uh, upcoming Friday. But um, it seems like Nutrier took care of business um, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I thought last week on our episode, Joe put it perfectly by saying, you know, is it a trap game if you're constantly calling it a trap game and thinking about it as a trap game? Probably not. But what we saw on Friday night revealed it was a little bit of a trap game because I think it definitely was a much closer affair than Nutria had hoped for. But got to give props to Glenbrook North. They played a really nice game, um, kept Nutria in check uh, on both sides of the ball, had a really good game plan. Uh, Got to give credit to their quarterback, Avery, Avery Burrow. He did a lot of nice things both in and out of the pocket. Uh, I thought his throwing arm looked really strong. Um, he, uh, he also created many plays with his legs, so got to give credit to him. And then, obviously, Glenbrook North has uh, Jackson Carcillo, who's a disruptive force on both sides of the ball on the defensive and offensive line. So they were able to do some nice things with putting some pressure on Nutrier and, and Kremaskoli in the backfield. So – um, obviously did some, some nice things with working the ball a little bit on offense too, but definitely a, a little bit of a closer game than Nutria had hoped for, I think. And uh, Coach Dahl had kind of admitted that after the game in our interview that uh, he thought maybe the team wasn't as focused as uh, it should have been heading into that game. And 
because of that, it was probably a, a little bit closer than uh, what they had expected slash anticipated. But second week in a row, we've seen the Trevians offense sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, falter or, or stall a little bit. Um, but like I said, got to give credit to Norse defense. They made some really nice plays uh, in the defensive backfield. They had three interceptions. Um, I thought they generated some nice pressure. They did a pretty decent job against Nutria's run game as well. But uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into week five later into, later into this episode, as obviously many of us know uh, the challenge that lies ahead in the week five game against Maine South. And Nutria knows they're going to have to be better than they were in week four to, uh, to come away with a win and remain unde- undefeated. But all's well that ends well, I guess, with still coming out on the win. But um, we're going to have to see a little bit more from them this week if they want to stay undefeated. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really difficult to – especially I, I think especially in a shortened season to expend that much energy over uh, games like against Evanston and have to come right back against Glenbrook North but in between a main south game I think that's it's a difficult thing to get get all your guys on the same page to keep that energy level up um, week after week especially in the short season I think so um, I don't think it was entirely you know we talked about it last week so I don't think it was um, um, so that surprising that they weren't fully in tune and maybe not fully energized for this game. Um, but pulling out a victory, uh, that's, all, that's all I needed to do. So I guess, you know, you can walk away with that and hopefully you didn't take yourself out of any situations, um, any goals that you have this year. So uh, now you just have to, hopefully they're taking what happened in that game. Um, th- you know, three picks the turnover game. What can you improve upon the, because you're not going to be able to do that against Maine South. Just like Evanson wasn't able to do that against Nutria, turn the ball over four times. Um, a good team's coming, a really good team. So you, you got to shore that up. And now maybe they saw some of their weaknesses, maybe a blessing in disguise, because um, it's all about this, this Friday night matchup. Um, and I know Martin's pumped about it. <laughs> got to shout out the defense again, though. Another you know great performance from the defense. So far through four games, they've only allowed – 20 points, which is a, a really impressive number, especially considering you've got a, a game against Evanston in there. And then you've got uh, GBS and GBN and, and Niles West in there as well. So only 20 points through uh, the first four games. And this defense has just been huge for them. And, and they were huge again for them on Friday night. Glenbrook North had, had threatened, um, you know, several times to sort of either make it a tie game or take the lead potentially if they wanted to go for two in a situation uh, but it was a it was a 13 to seven game before a late safety made it. Or I should say 13 to six. Sorry, it was a, a 13 to six game before a late safety made it 15 to six and and then made it a two score game. But um, anytime GBN threatened in that second half and, and tried to uh, take away at uh, Nutrier's lead and, and make it either a tie game or go ahead, Nutrier's defense was there to shut them down and. Um, earlier in the game, they actually had a, a blocked, they blocked a field goal as well from uh, Michael Constantino, Glenbrook, Glenbrook North kicker, who's a, a really strong kicker um, and has put together some, you know, 40 plus yard field goals in his uh, GBN career. So the defense comes up big for them again. And, you know, we'll, we'll obviously talk about it later as we alluded to, but that's probably going to be another, um, you know, key ingredient they'll need for a victory next week. Uh, another big performance from the defense. Obviously, um, when you're winning like this, uh, players and coaches will say both sides, it's it's a team win, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we've heard the cliches and that kind of stuff, but 
based on what we've seen in four games, I mean, it, it does seem like the offense is getting critical, um, you know, touchdowns and scores at critical times, but the defense is also um, stopping opponents and obviously limiting and that kind of stuff. I mean, four games into the season, and obviously with this is a small sample size from what we would get in a normal year. I mean, what is what side of the ball do you guys feel like is really making the difference uh, in these four games? And um, I know obviously we'll talk about it more in the fourth quarter, but can really dictate the success of this team in the upcoming week? I, mean, I, I think they have to – it's the defense for them. Um, I think they have a very capable offense, and um, I just wouldn't – I don't know if I'd call it dynamic yet. I, I think it can, it can score and it can get hot, um, but I just don't think it's off the charts great. I think it's their defense that's been leading the way. We saw that against Evanson with four turnovers. We saw that against Glenbrook North, not really allowing them to, to really get, um, get any, any traction and get back into the game um, and, and really shut them down in the second half. So, uh, and we saw in the first two games. So I think that defense, it's really fast. Marty's seen it in person a lot, and his firsthand account says, yeah, they're as fast as we said they were. Um, and uh, so uh, I think they they need to, to ride that against Maine South and, and bring it. Yeah. The, uh, the offense has done its job, but I think it's certainly fair to classify these last two weeks. Um, obviously two weeks ago against Evanston and this week against Glenbrook North as quote unquote defensive wins. And I, I think that's a very fair classification because you look at the game against Evanston um, three first half, the, the defense generated three first half turnovers and uh Correct me if my memory is mistaken, Joe, but these were turnovers where Evanston had the ball either inside Nutrier's ter- in, either in Nutrier territory or in, even inside the red zone. So, you know, these were drives where they were threatening to score uh, and put, put, put points on the board, and the defense did exactly what it needed, generate a turnover, and then flip the field for them. Uh, I, I could be mistaken there. I think, you know, at least one of those turnovers where against Evanston was – uh, in, in the reds in Evanston's red zone. But then uh, this week, again, they forced big turnovers when, when GBN was threatening. So uh, the defense uh, these past two weeks, especially has come up absolutely huge when they needed them more than ever. Cause the offense, as I'd mentioned, has, has stalled a little bit here in the last two weeks. So uh, I, I think this team is, is rooted first in its defense so far from what we've seen. Um, we'll move over to the Loyola game, but before we do so, obviously, a uh, uh, big touchdown for uh, Kirkpatrick uh, to give Loyola or Loyola give Nutria a 13 to six lead over GBN. Um, the catch was, I mean, impressive. I mean, we saw a video, it obviously you guys can check it out on Marty and on the story's feed. But um, what drew some controversy, obviously, was uh, maybe not the dance moves itself, but the flag coming with it. Um, did you guys feel like the flag was warranted? I mean, I, I didn't feel like sometimes the dances when you see them in the NFL and that kind of stuff, it's like, all right, we're taking a little bit too far, but I felt like this was probably just in good fun. It wasn't like, it, it was basically like a two second dance and then everyone just started huddling around and then you see a flag coming out of nowhere. I mean, obviously you want to police stuff in high school and you don't want, uh, things to get out of handball. So like it's, it's a game of football on Friday night. I mean, let the kids have some fun a little bit. Uh, so (laughs) I'm definitely in the fun camp. I'm with you, Michael. I'm with have fun. I just think they don't want to play that game refs. I think they just want to draw a hard line at any sort of celebration. That's 
outside of congratulating your teammates is a problem. And I think we can, we can be nuanced <laughs> about it and we can say, as long as they're not taunting or, you know, the dance doesn't last for 45 seconds, you know, a little celebration is not just like, okay, it's worth it. You should be celebrating a big touchdown. If you want to do a dance move, I mean, that's cool. Maybe I don't know what I'd do. Um, I never really got in the end zone. I wasn't, uh, <laughs> I think I might throw the ball into the stands. Um, I thought it was always a fun move, but I'm sure that would be a flag. They don't At have the high school level. Yeah. That's probably, yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably getting a flag. flag. <laughs> if you're going to chuck it into the crowd, that'd be awesome. I, but um, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's a hard and fast rule in high school, but I think we can be better about like who, come on. Yeah. I got to, uh, I got to agree completely here with Joe. I do not think a flag should have been thrown on that play. And, you know, in the moment when it was happening and I saw the flag, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, why, why is he, why is the ref throwing a flag here? You know, what's the, what's the call on the play? And I even thought, you know, the play could potentially come back because if you, if you watch the video we have on our site or on our YouTube channel, you could see like how quickly the ref threw the flag. So I thought maybe, you know, he saw a, a defensive holding or a offensive pass interference or something like that. But the ref had the flag ready to go pretty quickly. So uh, he, uh, he had that ready to grow. But, you know, as Joe said, yeah, this was a huge touchdown catch. He made a spectacular play. It was a one-point game at the time late in the third quarter, you know, it's a, it's a conference rival game. You've got Maine South next week and you want to stay undefeated. So it was, a, it was a huge moment in the game and probably one of the, one of the better athletics, you know, better, if not the best athletic moment that Josh has had in his life, making that spectacular catch. And he deserves a, a little time to celebrate it without, without being a flag thrown. And the crazy thing is that could have been a very significant flag because for some reason, and I've got to be honest, I'm not 100% fluent on the high school football rule book because it seems like it changes every week depending on what ref crew is there. They enforced the penalty on the point after attempt. So they pushed the point after attempt back. I think it was 10, but I, it could be 15. I'm not sure. They pushed it back and then Nutria missed the point after. So that left the game at 13 to 7 which if GBN goes down the field and scores a touchdown and converts the extra point, then it's a 14-13 game and they end up losing the lead because the ref wanted to throw a flag for a little three-second dance. Yeah, it was tough, obviously. I When I saw it and you brought it to our attention, I was like, that's kind of weird. But um, I guess the other point of it would be just be smart and don't do it in certain situations. But I don't know, let the kids have fun. It's like the whole bat, bat flip and that kind of stuff. Like let people have fun. Like sports are supposed to be fun, not something where you just like constantly just do all these rigid rules and that kind of stuff. But we'll talk more new Trier in the second and fourth quarter. Uh, they'll take on Maine South who squeezed by GBS 17 to seven. I know Joe probably has thoughts about that. We'll get to him there in the fourth <laughs> quarter, but um, why don't we move over now to Loyola who took on Hillside uh, last Saturday afternoon or Hillcrest and uh, I'm sure uh, Hillcrest probably never wants to see Von Pemberton ever again um, <laughs> after uh, rushing for five times for 204 yards in the first half um, I mean we've talked about Von for the last couple of years now he's just a beast of an athlete just very strong a great running back will get you any type of yard but um, reading the story uh, I didn't remember or know that uh, Josh Kruitz is actually going to be coming back. I was always under the impression that he was gone for the entire season, but 
Um, I mean, Vaughn talked about Josh being back, helping them uh, really open things up early in a 37 to nothing win on Saturday uh, afternoon at Loyola, where um, guys, this Loyola team, I mean, I don't know. I feel like every single week we talk about this and it's just the same stuff we say. We're like, they're talented on offense. They're talented on defense. This is probably a state championship worthy team. But um, I mean, once again, I mean, you just saw uh, a team just dominate another team and, um, we'll just keep on seeing what they're able to do, but, um, just another really strong performance for Loyola where both sides of the ball really stepped up. Yeah. Vaughn Pemberton's, um, I, I've run out of superlatives here. He's, he's awesome. And seeing him in person, uh, I was there Saturday photographing for the great Neil Milbert. Um, <laughs> And I wanted to see Hillcrest too, because I mentioned, you know, the film South Suburbs, South Suburban Pride, and they've been so good the past five, six, seven seasons in class 5A with a pretty small school. And that was so evident on the sidelines at Loyal Academy. We're talking, you know, one <laughs> looked like a line to the bathroom on Hillcrest side. Really, it was just like 11 kids outside of the 11 who were on the field while Loyola side stretched the length of the sideline almost, you know, it filled their whole, um, the area you're supposed to be in while Hillcrest is so small. So, you know, they're going in with a disadvantage, but honestly, I, I forgot who put it um, on Twitter and it's so true. I think it might've been Mike Clark, you know, kudos to Hillcrest for traveling up to Wilmette on a Saturday, because we know how difficult that can be. Number one, so many people have been dodging Wilmette, or Loyola this year and in years past. They don't want to play them. They know it's an automatic L, and they, they might get beat up a little bit because of all the big kids that they got there. Uh, so kudos to Hillcrest. They got their running backs, uh, Marquis Irving, uh, I, I, yes, I believe that's it, um, is going to Minnesota, and he looked flashy at some points. He really, um, you know, he cut up the Loyola defense. I think he might he might have had a run of like 60 yards where he only gained five yards, where he, <laughs> he was going <laughs> – in and out of people back and forth. Loyola couldn't touch him, but he, you know, Loyola is everywhere. Right. So by the time he finally got some free spots uh, or got to the outside, it closed quickly and he got to the one and then Loyola's defensive line was huge, um, huge for them. Spets had a huge game. And, um, so, but kudos to Hillcrest number one, but Pemberton, um, the, for his first run of the game, I think he gained three and I was like, all right, Hillcrest, let's see what you can do. Second run, he ripped off 60. And the next time he touched the ball, it was fourth down because they they had Maldonado with a couple seven-yard runs, got to fourth down, and he ripped off another fourth down touchdown, which is his third fourth and fourth down like long run of either, I think, above at least 15 yards for a touchdown, uh, which is significant. And then the 84-yard one was right after the goal line stand. So it was just a backbreaker right before the half. So um, – I mean, what can you say? That Loyal is legit. I wish we could see them in the postseason. I wish we could see them against uh, uh, another state power in 8A. Um, so, uh, but it's been fun. It was definitely a fun one. We should be in store for uh, for another fun one this week with uh, with Phillips coming up now on the schedule. A uh, 6A or 7A? 6A? 6. 6A powerhouse and a, a team that has uh, – went toe-to-toe with Loyola before, but Joe said it perfectly. There's not much to add in. You know, we, we've talked about it week after week, how great this team is and how highly we think of them. And they've proved us right and backed that up every week on the field. And 
you know, aside from St. Rita giving them a scare in, in week one, they, you know, haven't really seen too much of a challenge in the, uh, in the following three weeks. And I think that's a testament to how great of a roster this is and how talented of a team it is because they're, they're facing some really good schools and some really good programs and making pretty quick work of them. So really impressive team. Uh, definitely wish we could have a Saturday afternoon or a Friday night in, in Frankfurt or, uh, mm-hmm. or in Wilmette sometime down the road, but that's probably just a little bit wishful thinking, but really, really, really great team. And, and they've shown that they've shown that over and over again so far this season. And, and kicking it back a little to week one against St. Rita, like you mentioned, Marty, like that's so indicative of the Catholic league at the beginning of the season. Um, I think, you know, the teams are going to be talented, but who's going to be, the best, you know, it, it's taking turns between Carmel, Brother Rice, Rita. Loyola is always up there, of course. So we, we had a good feeling about Loyola, but I think Rita slipped our radar a little bit. And now look at them like they're the they're the class of 7A. They're the best team there. Um, so after week one, we're like, OK, is Loyola as great as we thought they were? We had that. <laughs> we, we, we threaded carefully, like, but we wondered a little bit. And that that was kind of silly because definitely and St. Rita's all that and more, too. So. Um, that's kind of an odd little quirk to the season. Yeah, definitely. And then look, they'll get a chance to uh, play a week five opponent. They'll play Phillips, and we'll talk more about that in the fourth quarter. Um, just some things to wrap up here in the first quarter with other sports. The New Jersey boys soccer team won the CSL South after their win against Niles West on April 8th. So congratulations um, to Trevians there. I know right now they're playing in uh, – Kind of like a playoff tournament kind of right now where they kind of got a chance to uh, play a soccer tournament at the end of this week. Um, Loyola has two big games against uh, St. Ignatius and Mount Carmel. Loyola tied at the top with nine points with uh, Mount Carmel and St. Lawrence. So big games coming up for them. And um, guys, any other uh, highlights? I know obviously we have volleyball, but then we have all these spring sports going on. Any uh, highlights that you saw that you uh, wanted to give a shout out on the podcast? Well, Loyola baseball opened up with Nutrier, um, and uh, they won. So just some highlights. Oh, I had it pulled up. It figures that I turned off baseball. Um, While Joe's doing some research, the record will be out there tomorrow afternoon on the Hill. You know, uh, send your best regards for a little bit warmer weather than they're expecting. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll, we'll be out there for Nutrier Loyola part two, you know, the, the back end of the double header game two. So excited to get out there and see some baseball. So um, we're recording this on, on Wednesday for our listeners, but we'll have coverage uh, of that game ready for you uh, Thursday night into Friday morning. So uh, we're, we're really looking forward to getting out to seeing some of these uh, quote unquote spring sport or summer sports, I should say, what are normally classified as spring sports get into action here. And we've got a bunch of them at once. So it's going to be a fun ride. Everyone here. For sure. And, and Loyola opened up with that 7-2 win. We got DJ Moran getting the W for the Ramblers. Um, and Max Sawyer with a three RBI day. Um, so that was the leaders there, 7-2 victory. Um, so Nutria is going to try to try to win one on the road, quote unquote, a couple miles down the road um, at the Mons campus. Long trip up to Glenview, you know. Is the bus ride going to affect him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another one we I was looking forward to, I was going to join Marty not at the same spot, but going out to an event tomorrow night for Nutrier Loyola Volleyball in the opener for Nutrier, but that game was canceled. So if I might say, now, nothing is confirmed, and everyone who's listening to this, but Nutrier has had a mini surge in 
COVID cases that has sidelined boys volleyball and girls volleyball now. Now all that takes, by the way, to get them, you know, according to pro calls is, is um, um, I'm sorry, can't think of the word contact with somebody who has COVID-19. So um, they, they, at least somebody did close contact there, sidelined boys and girls volleyball. They're up to 55 quarantine at school, um, which isn't a huge mark for the school year, but it is the largest since early March. Um, and it is a bit of a, a jump. And typically yeah. just for our listeners, when we see those kinds of jumps, it is kind of a f- kind of fair to assume that it's something that happened um, to a sports related activity or an extracurricular activity, because as Joe had mentioned, if there was that close contact that occurred, then everyone who was within that vicinity would need to go into, into quarantine per the state's guidance. So sometimes when we see jumps like that, um, it, it can be related to a, to a club or an activity. So I did confirm with the, with the AD that that's why girls volleyball, boys volleyball's first couple games are canceled. Haven't confirmed that's why, but Loyola kept playing. So you be the judge and girls water polo. So something to keep an eye out for, no confirmation. I am not reporting this. I'm just saying, keep an eye out for the football game Friday night. So I'm saying these are varsity sports y'all. So um, they all know each other, but so just keep an eye on it. Marty, I do not uh, envy you. Springtime on the Hill sounds like the worst time to be on the Hill. So especially like uh, early April and March are uh, the worst time to be on the Hill. Yeah, especially. For how much I love that campus. Especially the baseball field, you know, all the way at the top. All right. We're going to move on over now to the second quarter. We are, we are joined by new Trier D lineman, linebacking specialist, Luca Wojcicki. He is uh Marty caught up with him in last week's game against GBN. Um, Marty, what are we going to hear from uh, Luca in this interview? Yeah, Luca and I had a had a chance to to talk after the game on Friday night, and we talk about you know just what we had mentioned earlier, how great this new true defense is, and how much that defensive unit takes pride in in what it's done so far to this point. Um, it's it's held opponents to twenty points through the first four games, as we had alluded to earlier, and. Um, you know, that's a, that's a great source of pride to, to Luca and the entire defense. He's, he's been a big part of it with, with several other key players as well. He had two big sacks uh, against Glenbrook North on Friday night. And uh, one of the things he talks about is, you know, what a, what a great sense of um, camaraderie and friendship there is among that defense. And he feels like that's something that's uh, helped contribute to their success this season. All right, let's take a listen. Just talk to me about how proud you are of the defense this year and how well you guys have played through four games. Obviously, today, I think you can call this a defensive win, you know, limiting Glenbrook North only six points and then getting the huge stop when you guys need it. So just how proud are you of, how proud are you of the defense so far, um, being one of the leaders on defense? You know, um, this defense has worked really hard over the offseason. Like, we have been really hard on each other to get in and lift. And, you know, we all are – at the end of the day, we are all friends. Like, we all hang out together. Like, we, we have a very, very close bond that I don't think a lot of teams will have. So I think that plays into the role of how well we are connected, how we all get to the ball, and how well of a defense we play. And then for you personally, a couple big sacks tonight, um, particularly that one uh, late in the fourth quarter when GBN was kind of pin, pinned in their own zone. Um, how, how valuable is it to, for you and how important is it for you to, to get those sacks and just how much does it mean to you? you know, I know I think those are maybe your, your fourth or fifth on the season. You've had a couple before already this year, but obviously some big ones tonight have a big point in the game. Yeah, uh, those those sacks really can 
it, they kill the other team because you know it's like as soon as that happens you just see all the alignment just like looking like oh what happened what happened you know then all of us are just celebrating so it's like it's you, you see a positive and a negative and we're the positive uh-huh. and it's great and then just you know this defense this defense's ability to consistently generate pressure um you know last week with Evanston you guys were all over their quarterback all into the backfield and then again um this week just how how much a part of that is this defense uh, and how much do you guys pride yourself on, you know, getting after the quarterback, getting after the running back in the backfield? Well, uh, a saying that we have that our coach, uh, Mike Harrison, says is GATA, and it's it's a, it's a um, acronym for something that I don't know if I can say on this, but <laughs> it's a, it, we, we live by that. He has a mask that says in everything, and we every day, GATA, 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 GATA. It's what we do pregame, just GATA, GATA, GATA. Thanks so much, Luca, for joining us. And as always, thanks to all the players and coaches who join us. Always good to get your guys' insight. All right, we're halfway through the podcast. Let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, third quarter means that we are going to be playing our weekly game of way or no way where Joe and Marty go at it with some propositions. I give them way they can happen. No way they can't happen. Uh, we're going to do two boys soccer and one football question. So let's start things off. Like, as I mentioned earlier in the first quarter, that uh, Loyola has big games against Ignatius and Mount Carmel for its quest to win a CCL Blue Division Championship. With a win over St. Lawrence uh, earlier in the season, I believe that if uh, – Loyola beats both Ignatius and Mount Carmel, then they should have sole possession um, of a championship there. So uh, way or no way, Marty, that Loyola uh, wins both of those games and wins the CCL blue. So I'm going to go with way on this one, just because I've been really impressed with what we've seen from Loyola so far this season. I think their most recent performance, you know, as of our recording is a three nil victory over Nutrier and, Time and time again, we've talked about how highly we think of the of the Nutria squad and everything they bring this year. So that's, if I'm not mistaken, the second time Loyola has bested Nutria. So we've seen a lot of great things from this uh, this team this season. So I expect they'll continue it and and finish it off strong here. I'm also going to go away. Um, you know, talking to Tommy Zipperich a few weeks ago, they were a bit hurt the first time they played Nutria without a few people. Um, and then uh, they got fully healthy and kind of beat up Nutrier, who's who's been reeling a little bit. So uh, I think they're they're on a, a bit of a, a war path, pardon the, the phrase, um, but they're um, they're treading in the right direction, and uh, I think they're they're dangerous. All right, we're going to stick with soccer here. Like I mentioned earlier in the first quarter, uh, Nutrier won the CSL South after its win against Niles West. Um, so, Joe, way or no way that this new chair boys soccer team is the best team in the last five years? Obviously, it's hard to compare with different seasons and that kind of stuff, but just based on the performance that they did have this year. Uh, I'm going to say no way, and I'm sure um, Coach Ravenscraft's not going to be too happy with me here. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think last year they were 19-2. and two. Um, and they did get upended by Evanston in, in the postseason last year, saying, I guess that was 2019. Um, and this year, they, they're they not finishing strong. And it's a tough season, ton of games, compact schedule, a lot of good teams um, in that division. Evanston's good, GDS, uh, Maine South. So um, I, I think maybe last year's team, just by record and by, you know, how, how, they, how they finished pretty strong, other than the postseason loss. But um, – 
I think uh, I think no way they're not the best team in the past five years. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Joe on this one and say no way as well. And it's it's you know not a not a knock on this year's team at all, but I think it's more so almost a compliment of uh, of what this approach this program has uh, accomplished recently, and just you know the the kind of talent that they bring year after year. And I know back to thinking of some of the teams that they've had in in 2017 and 2018. That's when uh, Michael and I first had the chance to start covering the, the Glenbrook North, uh, some Glenbrook North teams and some teams around the area. And we, we always saw, you know, Nutria was a thorn in the side of some immensely talented Glenbrook North teams that had, um, you know, big aspirations in the state tournaments and Nutria, Evanston and GBS were always right there with them. So uh, the 19 team that Joe mentioned with only two losses, obviously a really impressive unit there. Um, and, and this year, you know, towards the end of the season, it, we have seen some, some chinks in the armor, for lack of a better term. They, they've had some losses here at the end of the season, but I think that's in part to the, the crazy year it's been, the crazy schedule, the, the constant you know, top-tier competition that they're facing. So uh, I'm going to agree with, with Joe on this one and say no way, uh, just because they, 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 year after year they're, they're always bringing a, a really talented program. So it's hard to say you know, they're the quote-unquote best for the last uh, five years. All right, final way or no way involves football. Obviously, earlier in the season, before the season started, we were dreaming of a Loyola Nutria matchup um, with uh, Nutria playing for a CSL South uh, championship against uh, Maine South. Um, way or no way, Marty, that Nutria would have beaten Loyola had they played this season? <laughs> <laughs> so, this would be the third consecutive year of the rivalry. Um, you know, it had happened in the previous two seasons. We had seen uh, Nutria and Loyola match up. And just for reference here, guys, the game last year was in Wilmette. If I, if I remember correctly, last year's game was in Wilmette and first year yeah. was in Northfield. So that means this year would be, would be back to Northfield. So I think that would give them a, a bit of a puncher's chance, but I don't think they'd be able to uh, keep up with Loyola for all four quarters. So I think if the uh, if the game were in Northfield on a Friday night and you know everything kind of bounced their ways uh, and the ball the you know the the breaks went their way, I think it, we could see a close game, but with Loyola pulling away at the end, um, just because they're so talented. But I'm gonna say uh, no way they they would not be able to uh, to take down the Ramblers. You know how badly I want to say way, but I. <laughs> I don't see it. There's no way, you know, like, like Marty said, you give them the right conditions. You get uh, a fall season with a full season of, of that offense to find a groove. David Davidkoff is maybe didn't go to Iowa. You know, they're big, they're big tackle. Um, maybe they can slow down that defense, but they haven't that Dutrier hasn't proven that their offense is as, as we mentioned in the first quarter, like unstoppable. Like it's, it's a force. It can get the job done. They're still finding their way in certain spots. They got a couple juniors. Um, maybe if they weren't hurt in a couple areas too, um, with Mendez hurt and Cohen hurt, um, also juniors, um, maybe. But they haven't proven that they can just get a touchdown every time you need a touchdown, which you're going to have to do at certain points against Loyola because that defense is absolutely a force. So you got to bring a force on offense to even get, touch the end zone. So. We've seen them uh, keep some really good offenses in check, but 
I don't know if they've seen anything yet quite like what the Ramblers can bring on offense. You know, that's obviously what makes this team so dangerous, both sides of the ball. And I don't know if they've seen a, a one-two tandem, the likes of Pemberton and Maldonado. So it, it would, it would have to really break their way, I think. And uh, this isn't, you know, a, isn't anything against either program, but I think the roster the Ramblers are bringing this year is just, just stacked from top to bottom. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say probably like a 21-0 victory for Loyola. So no way. Oh, I think Brody no sneaks. I think Brody sneaks in the end zone once. <laughs> all right, folks, there you have a way or no way. Um, all right, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where. Um, we preview a pretty big game, I guess, if you want to call it that. I mean, obviously, it's a big game between Nutria and Maine South. Obviously, this game was circled uh, by many Trevians fans and players and coaches um, when they saw the schedule. Um, looking forward to it, hoping to be 4-0 uh, heading into this big matchup and um, basically representing uh, the CSL South in a pseudo, I think it would be a championship game the week after when they do a CSL North crossover. Um, that would essentially be a conference championship game. But um, why don't we start this with this game? Um, we've been talking about it for a lot of weeks. I mean, ever since uh, Nutria took down Evanston, it was basically a two-horse race for the CSL South title. Um, when was that, four or five years ago when uh, Nutria had a chance to uh, win the CSL South against Maine South. I'm sure there's probably some memories by the coaching staff um, on that <laughs> front. I mean, what are we, what are we looking forward to in a, in a big game guys uh, essentially for the CSL South? I think it was, and I'll kick it to Joe right after I get this point in, but I think it was 2016. The last time Nutria has beat Maine South. Um, I believe that was the year they, they had a nice uh, run in the playoffs and um, you know, did, did some damage, but I think the last time they, they beat them was 2016 and I'll let Joe take over from here and then yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure, come back to me for some thoughts. I'm pretty sure that 2016 team or 2015, the team that beat them ended that huge winning streak for Maine South in the conference. But I think that was also the year that Maine South won the state title. I think they lost to Nutrier and then went on a march to the state title. So it's the loss they needed. Yeah, and under – yeah, for sure. They need to be tested. Under a – under Brian Dole, I think they had another year before that, um, Nutrier, where they took Maine South to the brink. And I, they might have lost 17-13 or something. It was just a really, really good game. And Nutrier won a couple games in the playoffs, um, including, I think, beating Phillips in the second round in OT. Um, so those were some really good teams for Nutria there. Eight and one that year, that only loss was to Maine South. Um, but yeah, that's the last time. So this is, this is big for the program. Um, a weird year, but none of it will matter on Friday night. Yeah, this is exactly the game they wanted. And this is what they are, um, you know, this is what they've been building for these first, first four weeks. That was the, that was their goal going into this game to be four and to have the chance to play for a conference championship against, uh, you know, a thorn in their side, a nemesis of a program in, in Maine South. And now they're going to have the chance to, uh, to, to back that up and achieve that goal. So um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more here about the, the preview of the game when we get into our predictions, but um, you know, in terms of our coverage area and specifically the CSL, 
Um, you can't ask for much more than this, can you? You know, a showdown of two undefeated teams in the uh, second to last week of the season, but the the last week of the season for, you know, uh, conference play within your division, uh, both teams being undefeated, you know, a, a conference championship on the line, you can't ask for much more than this. So it should be a great game. We expect a great game. We expect new to be a little bit more healthy going into this week. I, I can't report it yet, but after talking to, Coach Dahl uh, last week, it sounds like they're hopeful on Finn Cohen being able to, to play. And uh, I'll check in with him before before kickoff and obviously report it uh, Friday night when we get there. But that would be a huge boost for them and, and certainly would maybe give the, the offense a little bit of jolt that they needed. But uh, this – I'll save my last comment here till we get to the prediction, but uh, we, we, we should be in store for a great one. And this is going to be a, a really great hour for, uh, for high school football here with these two programs going at it um, on a Friday night, you know, such a, such a crazy stretch here recently with everything we've gone through. Um, hopefully we get just, you know, a, a real sense of normalcy here on Friday night with a, a great football game with two great football programs. So. Really looking forward to this one, if you guys aren't able to, to tell that. <laughs> so what are our key matchups, I mean, in this game? I feel like, um, like we talked about earlier in the first quarter, it seems like the defense is going to need to step up. And um, obviously, Maine South scored 17 um, against GBS. I think they scored around, I think it was 10 against Evanston. Um, so it seems like, um, obviously, they have a strong offense. But um, if Maine South, if Nutria's defense can really uh, – set the tone as it has all season. I mean, I don't see a reason why this game can't be close or why Nutria can't really control this game. Yeah. You know, I think that, that you made a good point there. I think Nutria's defense and the speed that they had, and I've only seen them that one time, but just confirmed by what's Marty seen, what I've read in the stories. I, it surprised some people how fast they are off the edge. I think some quarterbacks have tried to run and either Roth one way or dance the other way catches up immediately uh, and gets them in the backfield. Uh, I think it surprised some folks tonight. You know, Maine South might be ready for it, but it's a different thing when you see it on the field. Um, so I really think that's going to play a huge part. Um, I look for for Roth and Dancy to, to, to create havoc off the edge there. Um, their defensive line for Nutrier is not big, but I so I, I was actually confused a little bit how much havoc they were uh, uh, creating against Evanston. Um, pretty fun stuff. So um, I think they can do some damage too. And their secondary um, has, has, has held their own. So um, led by Tyler Harden. And I, I just think that defense is if, if Maine South has, has struggled against Evanson's defense and Glenbrook South's defense, it's going to struggle against Nutria's defense unless it has its best game of the season or comes out with something, you know, dynamic and special. It just, it's going to, that defense is special. And I, I think if it gets Maine South off the field, um, it controls chunk plays. I don't see why Nutrier wouldn't be in a position to win this game and almost a favorite. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with, with a lot of what Joe said there. And obviously I think the focus of, of this game is pro is going to be a defensive first game. I think we'll see a pretty low scoring game and I think we'll see both defenses early on and possibly throughout the entire game flex their muscles and show how talented, talented they are. Um, we we've seen some nice things and this is just from the reporting that we've read about it and, and what we're able to see online because none of us have seen Maine South in person yet, but we've seen some really impressive things from that Maine South defense as well, holding Evanston to seven points 
uh, which Nutria did as well, and um, holding all their other uh, all their other opponent opponents to this date so far under I think seven points. I don't think anyone else has gotten more than seven on on them. So we expect that they'll be a, a pretty good they'll have a pretty good defense as they usually do every year. And then it's going to come down to, in my opinion, just which offense is going to be able to do more against those uh, those respected defenses that I just mentioned. So it's probably going to take, uh, you know, a few big plays from one, one team's offense to swing the game either way. And um, that'll be ultimately what, what, com- what it'll come down to and what decides it. So do you guys feel, I mean, obviously we'll get more, uh, more exact thoughts when you guys are making your predictions, but this offense, I mean, obviously we've talked about this offense being able to take care of business when it needed to. And, how do we feel like this offense can, I mean, I'm sure Maine South, I mean, Maine South has limited a lot of opponents um, to single digit scores uh, for most of the season. So, I mean, how critical is it going to be for this offense to uh, get something going maybe right from the start, like they did against GBS and Niles West. I mean, obviously I know those teams aren't exactly comparable, but how important is just a quick start and just getting some sort of momentum for the offense um, to making sure that they can take advantage um, of a strong defense. It would be huge, I think, and it sets the tone for the rest of the game in a sense. You know, you come out and you start out a game, and if you go three and out, it's it's a it's a bad feeling, and then maybe some of those uh, some of those doubts that you've had in the past couple of weeks start to resurface a little bit, and you start to have some worries in the back of your mind a little bit. You know, of you know what what is this game going to look like? How are we going to be able to move the ball against this team? So, it's not even just if they're able to score on the first drive. Obviously that's a a great benefit and a plus and something you hope for, but even if they're able to just put together, you know, 30 or 40 yards, eat a little bit of the clock, get some, uh, get some progress, convert a few big third downs, move the chains a little bit. That'll I think be a huge boost of confidence for them. And maybe it'll be uh, something that helps set their, their game plan and their mindset for the rest of the uh, remaining three and a half quarters or whatever it may be. But a fast start would be huge for either team because, as I mentioned, I think it'll be a very close, uh, close game and a cl- and a low scoring game. So getting points on the board early would would be significant for either team in this matchup. And uh, maybe we'll see something extra creative on this first drive from uh, either one of these teams. Uh, maybe we'll see them uh, go to their bag of tricks on a on a third and long play. And for Nutrier's offense, we've seen in the last two weeks, we've seen them convert uh, to third and longs and make them touchdowns. So. That's, that's not something you can rely on week in and week out. But uh, if you have that big, pay, big play ability, that's definitely a, definitely a positive. And it is a way to, it is a way you can beat a good defense with, uh, with a big play here and there. So we'll see how, uh, how things start out, but a, a good start for either team would be huge. And you know what they can't happen. And this is, you know, captain obvious here is a, a bad start in terms of turnovers. Um, Maine South, one of the reasons they're so good year after year, obviously they have a talent, they have like a great feeder program out of Park Ridge, but obviously they have a great coaching staff. They have like an all-time coaching staff there that gets them prepared, gets them ready. They're going to be ready for Nutrier, and you know that they've seen that Nutrier turned the ball over three times this past week, you know, on, on interceptions. So I'm curious to see what, and, and Dal knows that too. He knows that she knows that he knows that he knows. So I'm curious to see what, Dahl and offensive coordinator um, Naps is going to draw up um, to combat that because, you know, against Evanston, who's Evanston stopped the run, they tried to do some different things. They finally converted 
with a scramble and then to Cummings and Jack Cummings. Is that going to be the game plan here? Because Brody Roth hasn't had too much room to run in the past few weeks. If Are they going to focus on the run and get him more touches and see if they can just beat up Maine South? That's going to be very hard to do. Maine South is usually the one that does that to other people. I don't know if Nutria has the offensive line to do that. So is the emergence of Kirkpatrick and Cummings enough to make up for Mendez, Alex Mendez, who's, who's um, hurt? Maybe Finn Cohen comes back. I, I do think they're going to have to do something a little different um, and work in Roth and Harden's run game when they can. But I do think um, the quarterback, Kremis Goal, is going to have to make some plays um, more than just one um, to, to, to have this, to, to win this game. Keep an eye out. And I'm not saying it's going to happen multiple times, but I think it'll happen at least once and potentially multiple times, depending on how the game is shaping up. But keep an eye out for Nutrier going to the Wildcat formation and Tyler Harden uh, leading that. So at the end of week week four against Glenbrook North, when it was a one-score game uh, and Nutrier wanted to eat a little bit of clock, they uh, on the last drive of the game, they went to the Wildcat formation with Harden um, about for about eight consecutive plays and it, there were some nice gains they ate they ate the clock up and, and put the game on ice and that finished it uh, and after the game I asked coach Dahl about that and uh, it's it's very clear that that's something the coaching staff thinks can work and they like Tyler Harden running it so keep an eye on that uh, as I said can't say if it'll happen a lot but I think we'll see at least one drive where they go to it and for May South, obviously, um, quarterback is always the star of the show where uh, I didn't know actually this before reading it now, but uh, in Maine South uh, quarterback Luke Leungus and a few other teammates actually returned to finish their season. Um, they played in Florida uh, during the fall and then they came back to uh, uh, play, um, obviously, in the spring here. But um, I thought that was interesting. So obviously you got some uh, got some. Uh, good uh fall football in before coming in this play in the spring that should be really interesting as well but um while we move over now to Loyola before we give our predictions um Loyola with the game against uh Phillips um like we said earlier um in the podcast where uh, this was another uh let's find a quick opponent and uh, they were able to find Phillips to play on uh Friday uh, afternoon uh which should be an interesting uh matchup I think the game is obviously at Loyola but uh, what, what, what do we think is going to happen here? I know, obviously, um, Phillips uh, able to get a couple wins, 48-26 against Taft, 46-6 against Lexington House. And um, these two teams, Phillips, obviously a strong team, but um, Loyola, obviously, we've talked about it at nauseum. It's just uh, a full and complete team. Yeah, and I think, you know, the last time they saw Phillips was, was it 2019? whatever it was, it was the, the season opener and Phillips stopped him on the goal line for like a, a 10, seven win or a seven, six win, something 10. I, I don't remember, but they stopped him to win the game. And, you know, Loyola remembers that and Halasek remembers that and a lot of the kids. So uh, adding that to what Loyola brings on paper seems almost unfair. Um, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is a little, a little chip on your shoulder. That's what you need when you play Loyola. Um, so uh, yeah, I got Loyola pretty much um, taking care of business here. Um, just too deep. and too strong this year. Um, Phillips brings it though. Uh, I think it'll be a fun game, but I, I think Loyola still, 
by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, it's it's you know it's almost impossible to know what to make of this Phillips team because there's obviously none of us have seen them and there's just not a ton of uh, reporting out there on them. But year to year, as Joe said, this is a really strong program and a program that puts forth some some really great rosters. And we've seen uh, on occasion and certainly in the recent past and in the, in the last couple seasons, we've seen that that it's a team that can go very far in the state playoffs and. Uh, you know, maybe even push the, the championship game. So a, a really strong program. And I think maybe it'll be a little bit closer than we're initially expecting. I think we'll see uh, a good first half of, of maybe where it's a, a one to two, two score game. But then as, as so often has been the case this year, the, the Ramblers, I think will pull away uh, in the third and the fourth and just show their depth on, on Phillips again. All right, why don't we get some predictions on this Loyola game? How close or how uh, far do you feel like Loyola is going to win? I, like I said, I think it's a couple touchdowns. I don't think it's a blowout. Um, Phillips, like we just talked about, very good program, um, very well coached year after year, just a strong um, pedigree. So um, I'm going to give Loyola maybe a – I think I think Phillips can score though. So um, thirty-one, twelve. Yeah, I'm similar. I've got Loyola twenty-eight, Phillips thirteen. Uh, close game, I think, throughout throughout the first half, as I mentioned, and then uh, I think the Rambos will score early in the fourth quarter to to put it on ice and put it to bed. So I'm expecting a little bit, just a little bit closer than Joe. Uh, but but still uh, Loyola getting away with the win. So I've got 28-13. Yeah, I'm the similar with Marty. I got a 28-10 to 10 win. Uh, I think Loyola is just going to take care of business and uh, move over and uh, take on Marist uh, for revenge week uh, to finish off the season the week, uh, or the week later. But all right, we got a big matchup, South and Nutrier. Um, obviously a big contested game. How do you guys feel like this one goes? I've went back and forth on this one several times. Uh, and I think with, with just cause, because I do think this will be a, a very close game and one that could go either way. Uh, it's, it's, I think, concerning what we've seen the last couple of weeks from Nutria's offense. Uh, that is, I think going to be the, one of the major deciding factors of the game. You know, what are they going to be able to do on offense? Are they going to be able to generate anything against this main South defense? And then, uh, this main South team is still a little bit of an unknown just from, from what I've read and what I've heard from, from talking to some sources and through some sourcing is that this year feels like the, the year where they're a little bit weaker and they're, you know, not at the, uh, the absolute top of the, of the mountaintop. And this might be the year to get them. But uh, I feel like that narrative is, is kind of put out there a lot of years and then they, they kind of come back and, you know, put together a eight win season and reach the semifinal and, you know, have a great year as always. So it's hard to know because at this point uh, we haven't seen them a ton. It's just from, from what we've read and what we've heard, but uh, long story short, I'm going to go Nutrier 15, Maine South 14. I think the Trez score late, go for two. And then the defense wow. shuts down a last, uh, a last Maine South attempt to, to get back in it. So 15, 14 Nutrier is what I'm going with. Wow. Yeah, that go for two. Wow, that already got me excited. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's not like New Maine South won't be motivated to. We talk a lot. This is obviously a 
Nutrial Oil, the podcast. So we're focusing on them, but Main South's going to bring it. And they probably know the chatter um, that it's a quote unquote down year for them for their high standards. So they've heard um, you talking, Joe. They've heard you're, uh, you're chirping. Well, that's because I've been emailing them my clips. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I, I do think it's just going to be a, a rugged slug fest and um, not much happening, to be honest. And I think each is going to kind of squeeze across something. And I think Nutrier scores late too. And I give them a touchdown late and it seals it. So 13 10. Interesting. I think I'm going to go uh, 13-7 Main South. I think uh, a late touchdown by the Hawks um, seals it, and I think the offense struggles a little bit against the Main South defense. And um, It'll be a close game, but I think Main South uh, prevails late into the game with the touchdown, and I think uh, that's a kick somewhere there, but I don't think it'll be uh, it'll be a close game, but I do think uh, Main South will uh, prevail and uh, take the game, but I think it'll be great. I think it'll be fun, a lot of fun to watch on uh, Friday night. Um, I'm sure there'll be live streams and you guys can follow Marty's live updates as well as uh, we'll have a lot of fun updates there um, from a big game for the CSL South title and for a right to play for a CSL conference title. But um, that's everything that we got for you guys in this week's episode of the podcast. As always, thanks for listening and um, quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Android, and Spotify. Make sure you guys give us a nice little note as well. That is greatly appreciated. So like I said, make sure you follow us for all the latest updates on uh, all the football scores and all the other athletics going on. I'm big game to look forward to, so make sure um, you pass it along to your new true friends and Loyola friends as well as you get ready for a big game on Friday night. But we should mention real quick here before we wrap up, anyone who is uh, interested interested in going to the game, obviously it's a strange year um, and opposing fans are limited. So um, check in if you do plan on going to the game because it's, it's not a situation where you can just walk up to the gate and uh, be able to get in. So if you have thoughts about going to the game, make sure you, you have it figured out with, uh, with the, either the program or the school um, to make sure you're, you're secured to get in because there is a little bit of a attendance limit, particularly for opposing fans. But um, for those interested, 7 p.m. Friday night in Park Ridge. And as Michael mentioned, live stream available, and you can follow us at the record uh, NS on Twitter and at mcarlino27 for updates um, um, at the game. We'll be there, obviously. Right, so make sure you guys are uh, paying attention and uh, catching up with all that, and we'll have all the insight and breakdown from a big game on Friday and next week's episode of the podcast. But for now, for Joe and Mari, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.